I couldn't cover it up anymore. Like it just was one unfortunate event after the next. And I just, I didn't want to live that way anymore. I didn't want to be, I I didn't want to be laughed at, you know, I wanted to laugh with people and it didn't feel like that. Hi, I'm Tim. This is We're Only Human, a podcast celebrating the resiliency of the human spirit. I think one of the best ways for each of us to grow as people is by learning from each other. If you enjoy today's episode, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever app you're listening from. We're not perfect. We're not alone. We're only human. Today I'm joined by Kara Karachi. She's a mother, a wife, a sister, a daughter, a comedian based in Detroit, uh, also started a photography business. And Kara, one of the, 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 the thing that I saw that like put you on my radar, uh, other than us trying to figure out if we know each other <laughs> beyond this, but uh, I saw a post you had posted on LinkedIn uh, recently where you were celebrating your four years of sobriety. And um, I just saw that and it was a, a really nice post and I won't read the whole thing, but this part really stuck out to me. You said, I am not here to preach to you sobriety. Alcohol might not be your demon, but I'm here to preach change. Change is possible. Stop waiting for January 1st to set a goal. Stop settling and procrastinating. And that just really stuck out to me because I think that's, oh man, we all need change. Um, was that, I don't remember, Was that? did you post that on January 1st or did it happen to be around the new year? So I actually posted it uh, the same week as my uh, sobriety birthday, as we call it, uh, through AA and, you know, NA and whatnot. So uh, February 3rd is, uh, I shouldn't say that, February 2nd is the last day I had a drink four years ago and February 3rd is when I kicked off the real party and uh <laughs> which is you know living life uh without drinking and drugs and and whatnot so that makes me so happy <laughs> that you saw that post and that um in whatever capacity that it meant something to you because that was you know that's the idea as I try to um I try to inspire people with sobriety and when I when I say that I just mean it's it's just it's taboo, right? I mean drinking is completely a part of our culture. Um, it really is. It's mm-hmm. like I you know, I, I think you know, probably a common question for someone like yourself is like, how do you survive now not drinking? How do you go out with friends? How do you go to a restaurant and then everyone else is drinking? And um, it's just, it really is such like just a common thing to do is like, let's go grab a drink. And I mean, yeah, maybe we're not going to go like get wild or anything, but it's just, yeah, it really makes you step aside and think, wow, alcohol is really a part, like you said, a part of society. A hundred percent. And, um, even so, you know, right. LinkedIn obviously is more or less talking about careers and, and business and networking. And I, this is the first time I shared on LinkedIn that I was sober, but 
to me, it was um, it was a matter of saying, hey, if if this is you and you have a career, you're you know you're not alone because uh, you know I don't want to call out the industry necessarily that I'm in, but I'm in automotive. But I don't think that matters. There's a drinking in every industry, every industry. And that's the thing. You can make that excuse. Well, oh, I would never stop drinking because I have to take my client out for, a, you know, for an evening dinner. And, you know, once they get three glasses of wine in them, they're more likely to say yes. And um, and again, that's all industries across the board that have that type of mentality. Um, but a couple of things with that is that one, I'm in automotive. I'm with a lot of men, or I should say, auto, well, that didn't come out right. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> automotive. I, do, I know what you mean. Okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't tell my husband. No, I don't mean it like that. But um, obviously, automotive is. Primarily men, but that is changing. I, I wouldn't doubt if it was closer to 60-40 these days of um, you know the ratio men to women, and the fact that you know I am at conferences. Sometimes I'm at, in Las Vegas, right? And it just to me, I'm so grateful to be sober because of that. Same thing with comedy. Um, comedy, there's way more men in comedy. Then there are women. It's probably closer to 90-10 or 80-20 for men versus women. And I'm at bars a lot and I'm out late. And um, again, really grateful that, hey, I can, I'm doing everything with a clear mind um, and that I'm, you know, there, there's no rooms, room for mistake or there's not that excuse of, oh, I had too many. Um, you know, playing that game as we often do. Definitely. And thank you for posting that on LinkedIn. I mean, publicly, I mean, the courage, I'm sure to to say that and, you know, to feel like you were ready to do that publicly in, in whatever capacity you're comfortable with, that's, I'm sure, not easy. Um, but thank you. I mean, that is so nice. Like I said, that part definitely caught my eye. But I think it's just, I love when people are, especially, like you said, LinkedIn's like a traditionally business professional centric network. I love when people are open, you know, about things in their life beyond just work. I think it makes us all more human. So thank you. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, am I able, so are you sober yourself or is something that just kind of struck a chord? Um uh, no, not so I mean, not sober. Not um, Are you sober right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not drinking from today. Um, no, no, no okay. never have not have not um, had alcohol to that degree, and, and you know, gone sober or anything like that. Um, but no, I, I think the 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 idea of like change and change is possible. I think. Um, I mean, me personally, last year went through um, you know a divorce after after a long time. Um, not necessarily uh, the traditional divorce I hear about where it's, you know, everyone hates each other and doesn't talk to each other and we each hmm. lawyers and spend 20 grand. It was much more amicable, much more like this is right for both of us. But I mean, it was change and, you know, I've definitely yeah. become more in tune with change. So I think maybe I do have a heightened sense of seeing, you know, things like what you wrote and kind of, well, you know, it, like I said, it's definitely what it kind of invited me to, to want to chat with you more is because, um, I'm probably more intrigued, you know, by your story than, um, 
than I would have been before that. Um, I'm curious though, you know, four years, congratulations. That's a long time. And I can't, I honestly can't imagine because I don't, I've never had to deal with what you have to deal with. Like, you know, having been not sober and then each day accomplishing that. Um, so I'm congrats on, on every day of that. Um, I'm curious, what made you start being sober? Like what, what made you decide one day to say, and now four years later that I can be sober for four years and counting? Yeah. So I won't necessarily go into detail, but it, it seemed that the laundry list of mistakes were just getting longer and it, it was, it was evident that I, you know, I kept making an excuse for it. Just like, you know, just like, um, just like being overweight. Well, oh, it's, you know, it's my genetics and I don't really have time to exercise and what have you. Um, it all, everything just kept coming back to, well, you know, I really wasn't, um, that drunk or I was drinking amongst friends or we were at a party or, um, everything kept becoming just, I shouldn't say everything. I was becoming the laughing stock of of the evening every time. And so finally, you know, I just had that that um one evening where it seemed that um I couldn't cover it up anymore. Like it just was one unfortunate event after the next and um, I just, I didn't want to live that way anymore. I didn't want to be, I, I didn't want to be laughed at, you know, I wanted to laugh with people and it didn't feel like that. And, um, I should say another reason is, you know, I, I have two stepdaughters they are 17 and 18. And when, so obviously when I got sober, they're like 12, 13, 13, 14. And I just kept thinking to myself that, the it was becoming evident to them that like hey we we know you and dad are drinking uh you can't hide it <laughs> so um there was a part of it too i wanted to be a better role model for them i wanted to show them that especially when you're a teenager that can be some of the hardest times of your life where you're dealing with peer, peer excuse me peer pressure and uh i really wanted and hoped to share with them that you can live life differently. Um, that's such but, a that's such a great <laughs> gift for you to give to them. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, like to to think of them like that. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, as my husband says, you got sober for yourself, and then you know that they're secondary because uh, you have right at the end of the day you have to do you have to do it for yourself first. Sure. And I'll tell you what, you know, nobody, nobody ever told me to stop drinking. Um, the reality is you just find other people who are like you at, to drink with. And so you're always in like the comfort of your own uh, company. So I think, right, wait, is like the analogy misery uh, likes company or whatnot, but Basically, I just kept 
surrounding myself with other drinkers. And so then it always just felt normal and, and my behavior was always just kind of acceptable. Yeah. I know what you mean. Like, uh, I mean, I, I do think we, we are able to, to find those that will, you know, support what we want to do. Um, so it makes sense. Speaking of, of support, uh, your parents, um, what, what role have your parents kind of played in, in your life? You know, I'm, I'm, I want to talk more a little bit about your, I mean, your, um, your comedy, being a comedian, your photography, you know, your, what you call your weekend work. And, um, but I'm always curious, I feel like whether we want to or not acknowledge the fact that I think we, so much of what we, who we are and what we do is influenced by our parents early on. I'm, I'm curious what, what role do your parents play in, in your life? Oh, just, um, sorry, this question caught me off guard. My parents are super supportive, um, <laughs> in every aspect of life. Uh, I, you know, my parents have been married for, oh, geez, 43, 44 years. Um, Oh, good I, for them. Yeah, right. They're, you know, they're they're seventy two years old, and like, um, they do a lot together, but they do a lot without each other. And uh, they're born and raised Detroiters, and so Detroit has a very special place in our hearts. Um, they, yeah, they're they are really great, great, great um, people, and you know. Um, you know, I'll just be completely transparent. I think, um, uh, on my mom's side of the family, she's actually one of 11 kids. So grew up huge Irish Catholic family and, um, but, uh, a lot of drinkers on that family, a lot of drinkers and some that are also, um, in recovery. So, um, you know, I have, an aunt of mine who's um, a huge support system. And as she's along with my mother was one of the first people that I called to tell that, Hey, I'm going to get sober and bawling my eyes out <laughs> that I'm finally doing it. Cause again, it was one of those things that it was, no one ever said to me, Hey, you should get sober. Um, my, my mom would say, allude to it in, in, uh, some form or another that, Hey, you get really mean <laughs> and I don't really like who you are when, when you're drunk. And, uh, and so it was, it was a really great moment when I can tell her like, I'm going to clean up. I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to change. I'm going to turn things around. Um, but yeah, I have extremely supportive parents. Um, and we grew up, I grew up surrounded by, you know, going to the theater and um, the arts and and whatnot and really just humble individuals and just grew up with the mentality of like not spending money if you didn't have to. And, you know, my my parents don't buy new things. I always joke that we had a black and white TV up until like 2009 because that's just. <laughs> I wish that wasn't a joke, but that's just how they, that's how they are. And I grew up, um, 
with my sister's hand-me-downs and my sisters are 10 years older than me and but that's it like you you know that's you don't buy new things if you don't have to so um again just humble people and and I really learned the the value of a dollar from them which gosh am I thankful for that has that uh translated into later in life like my really benefiting from that <laughs> Sorry. Yes, it has. Um, yeah, I mean, oh my gosh, this could be a totally different conversation, right? Because um, I look at, I look at, um, I shouldn't, it, it's not necessarily millennials, but the younger generation, the 22 year olds, the 24 year olds, you know, they're, they're very much, they would rather have vacation time than they would make a more of a paycheck they really value their time and um and also from my understanding they spend a lot it's hey they're they're used to instant gratification and getting it now and you know um so that's fascinating to me I've had to alter like my decision making and my behavior because um I I mean I just would continue to have this like 1960s mindset if I didn't, if I didn't adapt to the, you know, reality. Um, I don't even know if any of that made sense, Tim. <laughs> no, that makes sense. I mean, we know what we know, right? And it, yeah, no, it makes total sense to me. I, I have to ask you, I was, um, I always like to kind of, do some research and understand people and, you know, get to know so we can have a good conversation. And I have to know if this is a joke or not, that you had 28 people in your wedding party and you found most of them on Craigslist. <laughs> now, I know oh you're a comedian, gosh. so what are you I, didn't, I didn't know how to must... take this. I was like, maybe she's joking. But then I saw it in more than one place. I'm like, well, then she's really carrying the joke on. That is hysterical. I love it. Okay. I legit... <sighs> had 28 people in my wedding party. However, they were friends and family, but I like to, uh, you know, I like to just have little jabs at people. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, I, I guess wanted... 28 is, you know, pretty large for traditional standards. So I guess, you know, that that's a nice little joke to go with it then. <laughs> yes. No, I did not find them. I did not find them on Craigslist, but, um, <laughs> I love that you found that. No, that's family and friends. I just, yeah, was completely absurd. My uh, my whole philosophy philosophy was just like, nope, I want to be able to hang out and party all day with some of my closest people. So I had a giant wedding party. That's a great philosophy. I like that. I mean, because that's what it is, right? At the end of the day, it's like yeah. your celebration, your day, your party. Why not do it? with the people you love the most and have exactly. them all in the trolley together or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> That's I wish awesome. I found the mind Craigslist. <laughs> I could have made, yeah, we're very interesting. Anyways. Um, now I feel bad that I kind of like broke the joke. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. No, not at all. <laughs> I love it. I get a, I'm going to have to wrap it into my material. Yeah. So you're, um, the comedy. Um, I think, first of all, 
congratulations on I see you're performing all over the place in you know the Midwest and just like you seem like a prolific performer so you're able to get out there and I know in comedy that's so important to like hone your your act and um but I, I'm really uh really curious first of all what do you love so much about comedy like how did how did you end up saying I want to be a stand-up comedian and I'm going to get out there every weekend and perform so it all started in uh, 1992. Um, no, uh, kind of, sort of. But I've always been a theater girl. So when I was a little girl, I was in community theater and middle school and high school. And um, I went to I went to university uh, to get into television. And I actually, my first job out of college, I worked for Jerry Springer. So that was my like first. Is that how we know each other, Tim? Were you on the Jerry Springer show? Uh, I was not on the Jerry Springer show. I visited the <laughs> studio once um, around the time that we think we know each other from um, for an event. Uh, it was a small group. I we, I remember standing on the stage and being like, wow, I'm standing on the Jerry Springer stage. <laughs> but that's the only time I've ever in any way interacted with uh, anything Jerry Springer. Got it. Got it. Um, so... Always write creative TV, whatnot. And um, I also did improv for years in training. And um, improv got to be pretty complicated as far as scheduling different improvisers and working on a team. And, you know, I think people forget improv is like having a band. And you need your bandmates to be able to improvise. Um, so... Long story short, uh, one of my improviser buddies was um, suggesting that we take comedy, stand-up comedy classes together. And I assumed, I assumed I knew what the art form was with stand-up. It's like, yeah, yeah, you just come out with jokes and I'm on stage. How hard could it be? (laughs) Right, exactly. And um, so it was really fascinating taking the classes and really understanding that, like, um, you know, I compare it to, it's like a painting, uh, and you've got this, you know, blank canvas and then you keep adding to it or taking away. And that's really what working on a comedy bit is. Um, I used to assume that every time you showed up to the club, you're just creating new jokes and it's like, no, you're, you know, you're honing, um, you're crafting the existing jokes and maybe you've got a joke from three years ago that you're going to fit into your new jokes and um very amusing so I instantly gravitated to it I loved it um I actually back in high school I did something called forensics if you're familiar it's like debate and forensics were the same category it is competitive speech (laughs) giving (laughs) Well, I don't think I've ever heard of this. I've heard of like debate, like speech and debate club, but is forensics the same thing? Or I'm thinking forensics, like forensic evidence, like CSI. Yeah, yeah that's normally, a lot of people think that's what forensics means, but uh, no, it's speech. It's speech and debate. That's essentially it. So um, I've always had a knack for it. I've always, always had a knack for it. But um, again, it was just learning the art form and I learned it and I'll say one of my favorite things about it is that just truly owning every element 
of stand-up is in your hands. And I mean, what I mean by that is that I do promotions for myself. I help myself get booked. You know, I'm doing the networking. I'm creating my material. I'm crafting my material. So um, there's no one to blame when things don't go your way. It's like you really have to say, well, this is on me, um, which some people don't, you know, they don't want that type of stress or pressure, but um, I definitely feed off of it. What does it take, the the strength I'm thinking of, to get up there every night, every performance? I mean, it's a risk, right? It's a gamble. I mean, oh, for you sure. are honing that craft. You, you know, you're reading the crowd, but the vulnerability to get up there and basically let it all out and then risk potentially not connecting with the audience. How does that, where do you find the strength to do that each time? You know, I imagine, I'm just thinking like, let's say you had a run of like really good performances that would make it easier. But then let's say one night just doesn't go so well. Does that just completely ruin it? Or, you know, the next night, yeah. how do you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do you, uh, you know, how do you, you know, get up the next night then and, and keep doing it? So I think there's a sales aspect to um, to comedy, right? And what I and I'm also very competitive, and I'm in a sales job myself. And so what I always learned with sales is that count the no's before you count the yeses. So you should anticipate. A hundred people turning you down and only two people not turning you down. So that's always, I've always remembered that concept. Um, And it's the same with comedy. I'm actually laughing because I just had three really great shows this week. And I already told myself, I said, okay, next one's going to be bad. (laughs) Be ready for it. It's okay. Oh, so you're like up front, <laughs> like kind of planning for this. Like, okay, I'm only going to hit 75% of the show. So if there's four shows, I know one of them is going to be bad. I haven't had the bad one yet. Okay, that's fine. This one might be bad. I think you just, you have to be realistic about it, you know? Um, but also, I will say this. I also, uh, now that I've worked a number of different rooms and I've gotten to know different territories, right? You're going to have, you're going to know. I don't like you're going to know where your Republicans are. You're going to know where your Democrats, you're going to know where your blue collar, your, you know, your, your gays, your what have you, your black audience. So I also have the ability to control some of that and decide what, what audience I work better in front of, you know, Um, I do clean comedy, but it's not always my favorite. I don't necessarily gravitate to it. Um, so, so what, again, what I mean by that, I just make sure that there are some places when I say places, comedy clubs or whatnot that I won't go back to because I said, you know what, I, I don't think I'm right for that audience. So I try to keep that in mind. And then two, I also, if I can tailor my work a bit, knowing what the audience is going to be like. So, for instance, if I'm performing to 20 to 30-year-olds, they're not going to be able to identify necessarily with being a parent 
or being a step parent of 18 year olds, right? Because they, they are that age. Um, so I think it's about being strategic one and then also logical. Um, there's nothing that beats the high of having a great show. So even though you'll have some struggles, you'll have some bad shows, you just know that good show will be around the corner, or you hope it will be. I suppose hope is probably, I mean, for all of us, a, a key a key player. But I would imagine even more so when you're performing an art form of any kind, that hope no matter what happens tonight, you know, I have hope that tomorrow is going to be even better. For sure. Yeah, for sure. For, for anything really. Yeah. I, I saw some post of yours somewhere that gave me the impression that you have a lot of respect for Jim Carrey. Hmm. And I was curious what Jim Carrey meant to you. Yeah. I fell in love with Jim Carrey when I was, um, a little girl and uh he's very much obviously a, a physical comedian and i was really drawn by that um just the way that he's able to con- you know contortion his face and and um his impressions so one i was just really drawn to that i mean how can you not be it was like i'm nine years old and like this grown adult is like a little kid <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, as goofy as can be, really, you know, like, yeah. like you said, as a nine year old, you must have just been like, oh, I want to be, you know, as goofy as this crazy guy. Yes. Yeah. And that and um, I felt like he gave me the um, he inspired me then to be goofy as well. Um, like, hey, this guy's making a career out of it, you know, so. So it's okay for me to just be happily and, and humbly um, myself. Um, and I think, you know, Jim Carrey was in, in living color. And um, I don't think most people know this, but he had this Canadian TV show called The Duck Factory. That I think that was one of his first shows. And um, he was just so unique for his time. And I really think, you know, that's a big piece of it. And in Living Color, I mean, what a, um, you know, what a melting pot of individuals, uh, white and black and, um, you know, Latino, all on that show. So, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's always, he's always been very inspiring to me. And then even now in his older age, as he's, he's gone through some of these, um, yeah, just kind of like spiritual journeys and sharing that um, amongst others. Um, you know, I like some of his philosophies and um, just kind of this idea of always reinventing yourself. You know, like he he stepped away from those goofy faces and voices and and whatnot. And I think you've probably heard this story, but Jim Carrey also. He wrote himself a million dollar check. Have you heard that story? Oh, yeah. He wrote that check and he said, you know, he like told his dad, you know, one day I'm going to cash it. And um, I think it was, I don't want to mess up the story, but I think it was like, you know, The Mask, Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, like all those movies came out at the same time. And like he, you know, blew that million dollar check out of the water. And um 
I believe he buried his dad. He buried that check with his dad. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, which another inspiring story is that Jim always talks about, he says that his dad worked, his dad was like a jazz player, and um, but then his dad full-time worked as an accountant, and his dad ends up losing his job as an accountant. And Jim was always like, if you're going to lose your job, <laughs> you might as well lose your job doing what you love. You know, like, hey, my dad went and did this miserable job he didn't want out of fear, and he lost it anyway. So why not go after what you want and have the same fear? So that's always stuck with me. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. I, Jim Carrey is one of those, you know, once-in-a-lifetime actors. Um, have you seen, you know, he played Andy Kaufman in <gasps> uh, Man yes. on the Moon. But did oh, you yeah. see, uh, was it on Netflix, that documentary that they filmed at the time and then they released it as this documentary of Jim Carrey playing Man on the Moon or playing Andy Kaufman in Man on the Moon? Yes. That 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 was crazy. amazing. Like <laughs> Yeah, I bet it's great. It's crazy. It's like it's like eerie, you know? Yeah. Just how like I guess the term is method acting, but like how he like became Andy Kaufman. It is just mind blowing. I mean what a just there's no one quite like Jim Carrey. Yeah. Yeah. Super super impressive and I think it's I think it's valuable for us to see the amount of, uh, I don't know, work and stress that goes into um, being an actor as well. Um, yeah, I th- it, it's definitely wild. What is your goal with comedy? Like, do you have a, like, scenario or achievement you're working toward or is it more of just I enjoy doing this and I'd rather spend as much of this life doing what I enjoy as I can huh that's funny um (laughs) it's a great question sadly uh I'm I'm concerned that I don't know I don't know what that level achievement would be um I'm trying to really enjoy the journey I, I tend to be a person that nothing is ever enough. Uh, and I think that's why I was a drinker because, you know, one fifth of vodka was never enough. Always want more, more, more. Um, I've ran 13 marathons that never felt like enough. I ran Boston that never felt like enough. So I've had some cool accomplishments in my life. 13 marathons? I know, right? time frame are we talking? (laughs) Oh, probably over, you know, probably over a matter of, I don't know, eight years or something. I, I, wow. I, seeing it, that just doesn't seem like a big deal to me. I know that well, sounds okay, so horrible. You're, you're talking to someone who I love biking and I can oh, bike far. Yeah. And I love biking, but I I just don't see running. Like I, the, I always joke, but it's really not a joke. The fastest and farthest I ever run is when I have to catch the bus and it's like, you know, I have to run three blocks to catch the bus before it goes. Um, so to me, running a 5K, a 10K, 
would be an enormous achievement. Running a marathon, I think, once would just be a lifetime achievement. To do it 12 more times, and I don't know, you know, if you just decided that was enough and you could have ran more or what, but like, yeah, that to me is like you could hang your hat and, and retire now. That's wow. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good snippet of my, my personality that it just, I don't know. I just assumed everyone run, can run marathons. And, um, so my, my challenge is, and what I'm trying to determine right now is that, yes, what, what is the end goal with comedy? And I'm trying to remind myself that there really is no end goal. Do I think there would be some you know, really cool opportunities. Um, at, you know, absolutely. Like I'd love to go work on a cruise ship for six months and have a cruise ship <laughs> opportunity, which is funny because most people would be like, what? That's nothing. Like that's not making it, but that's something I want to do. Um, I think it would be cool to perform for the military, for the troops overseas. Um, Right. Bob Hope used to do that. Um, another inspiration of mine. Um, yeah, I can't say that I really am gravitate to the L.A., you know, Los Angeles, um, that type of comedy scene. Scene. I, I, I don't know if that's me. Um, I do some AA conferences. I'm doing a couple um, next week or AA shows. And, um, that really fills me up. Like being able to like joke amongst my people is really cool. So yeah, I don't know that there's an end goal. I think if I can be completely honest, like I'd love to get back into theater and, and dabble in, in some of that again. Um, but I'm just really trying to practice contentment. Practice contentment. What do you mean by that? Um, like this is <laughs> this is okay. Like what I'm doing: Friday, Saturday night shows, getting paid minimal, making people laugh is like where I'm at right now is okay, and enjoy this ride. Um, stop thinking that the grass is greener somewhere else. You know, because I think we all struggle with that, don't we? Oh, my gosh. All the time. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking of all parts of life. There's always something better. There's, so, you know, someone's doing it better. Someone has more. Someone is showing us, you know, that that side of the grass that's greener that we could we could be hopefully working toward and. Yeah, you, you say, you know, before nothing is ever enough. And yeah, I think I can relate to that for sure. I mean, sometimes it's like you you feel like there's always that other thing, you know, that you should be working toward and spending the time toward. And I like your, you know, your, your idea of maybe just take a moment and let it soak in and enjoy it. I love on your, you know, your Facebook and LinkedIn and stuff, you often use the hashtag die trying. And I think you yeah. even joked once about having that on your tombstone, but I, yes. <laughs> I love that because that does speak more to, it's less about some achievement at the end of the day or the end of the life or somewhere in the future. And it's more about, in your case, just the love for performing in front of people and affecting them. Yes. Well, um, you know, I've had 
I have several people that come up to me, you know, friends, family that say, we just, we really want you to make it. Like, we just want you to make it. And I always think to myself, I did, I did make it. Um, sobriety has been a big part of that. I oh, tell me five years ago that I'd be performing all over the Midwest, uh, you know, making some side cash doing it. I, like, no way. There's no way. Not even no way. Like, just never thought it would happen. So in my eyes, it's like, I'm actually doing it. And if this is it, if, if it get, gets nowhere in life, or, or maybe in three years, I say, I don't have the energy to do this anymore. But holy cow, you know, I died trying. I'm, I'm I died trying. Like, I, I did it. I came, I saw, I conquered. And dang, that felt so good. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. Speak, speaking of, you know, not having enough energy and, and um, die trying, I mean, you have your your husband and your two stepdaughters, your family life, you know, family, friends, you have your full-time day job. You are, like you said, getting a ton of comedy in and able to really just enjoy this. But then you also have your, excuse me, you also have your photography business. Um where did the photography business come from? Have you also had an interest in photography throughout your life? Yeah, I took several photography classes back in college and um, back when there was dark rooms still. I, in film? I didn't know what that is. <laughs> yes. Um, and and uh, honestly, well... One, photography can be really expensive. So I think, one, I just never really pursued it because it's like, okay, this is expensive. Uh, I can't afford this. Um, so really didn't get into it until my older age. And again, it was one of those things with sobriety. Like I got sober and I was like, how am I going to fill my time? And I need to make up for like the past 15 years of my life. Like that's honestly how I felt. And it was like, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. Um, and uh, so I don't know if that's healthy or not, but that was, it was kind of, that's what happened. Like I got sober and I said, I just, I, you have a clean slate now, now what, now what do you want to do? And um, part of that was photography. I, I bought a camera, I took some photos and then you know, got a lot of compliments on them. And I said, you know what, I want to do more of this. And I want, you know, I just want to do a, a small side business. And, um, and it's something that um, my dear friend and my cousin, we joined forces and we said, okay, we'll have this little business together, um, just as a creative outlet more than anything. But um, yeah, that's kind of, that is, that's kind of how it launched. And Interesting enough, I feel that photography or the type of photography I do and comedy um, are similar in the sense that, right? I'm going to blow your mind, Tim. Ready? I'm ready. Um, <laughs> Stand-up comedy and photography are just very much about knowing how to react to, the per to a person. And so for photography, um, I often like to get a person who's um, has some type of emotion. Um, so 
more like a journalistic type of photography. And then same thing with comedy, right? It's a matter of, okay, how's the, how's uh, the person, the audience going to react? And then how are you going to react back to that person? So I it's kind know, of maybe. a natural pairing maybe for you to yeah. have an interest in both. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, the more I, I, you know, the more I talk to you and, and learn about your story and what you're doing, the theme I get is just like, I mean, maybe it's after becoming sober that you had this, this transformation of like, just, I'm just going to live life to the fullest here. I'm going to just go after everything that brings me joy and brings others joy. And I'm going to die trying. I'm going all in. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's great. So with your, with your comedy, is it, um, like you mentioned, you know, cruise ship is something that would be really enticing to you and you've had the chance to do all sorts around the Midwest. Um, is there any, I know there's not necessarily maybe a achievement or an end goal, but are there any like stepping stones, you know, toward maybe what people are considering quote unquote making it that you are kind of looking forward to? Like, you know, I'm just throwing things out there. Would you like to be on like a late night TV show or oh, know, have, yeah. a, have a Netflix special <laughs> or something? Or... Uh, yeah, I think, well, I definitely think, um, so one, I like the feeling of live performance. So sometimes when you start to get into these, like these Netflix and television, it's not, it's not real, if that makes sense. Um, but like, yeah, doing the late show and that's a live audience and the, oh my gosh, an opportunity to meet uh, Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel or, you know, Conan. Oh, holy cow. I mean, can you make that happen? That, I, that would be huge. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, my contacts there are very, very well, none. <laughs> Dang it. Um, so yeah, that would be huge. I would absolutely love that. Um, I don't see myself with the Netflix special, uh, but I would love to work on becoming more of an influencer. Um, like whether that's through YouTube or Instagram, um, just you know, LinkedIn, that's a big reason why um, I do share on LinkedIn so much is that I, um, I want to inspire people. Uh, I truly believe that's part of the reason why I'm, I'm here on earth is uh, to help others and in, in my own way without having to be a psychologist or a social worker, um, just like naturally being a just genuine person um no fluff with me it's just this is it this is me um holy cow yeah saturday night live was always a dream <sighs> i don't know <laughs> i feel too old <laughs> i i love what you said though about being here on earth to help others in your own way to be real to be no fluff you know i'm very much i very much appreciate that sort of thing i try and be the same way and you know thank you for for taking that approach and 
I also think it's so important for us all to realize that like there are ways to help others and to bring joy to others that can be totally unique to you. And, you know, there's no set one or two ways that we all have to uh, abide by. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Well, Kara, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. This has been so fun and amazing and insightful on my end. I hope the same for you. But I mean, thanks for taking the time out of your weekend, you know, after how many shows and just taking time out of your life to chat. I really appreciate it. Likewise. Thanks so much, Tim. I um, appreciate what you're doing as well. And um, and uh, yeah, die trying, right? <laughs> thanks for listening to We're Only Human. Please subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app, rate and review us, and share this episode with a friend. Thanks.